to Datsuk. What a move! Right in! Oh. Scores! Wow. Oh, but Datsuk in deep! That's a beauty! Heisman moving blue line. Chance scores! You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Octopi Hockey Town with your host, Austin Goodman. Hello, Hockey Town and sports lovers, and especially you hockey lovers out there. Welcome to a very special edition of Octopi Hockey Town. The Red Wings have once again made the playoffs. Yes, that statement seems a little bit overused considering... The last time the Red Wings didn't make the playoffs was 23 years ago, and I was born in June of 1994. I've not seen them miss the playoffs, but the Red Wings have, again, extended their consecutive playoff appearance to 23 seasons. The Wings finished off the season beating the Sabres on Tuesday and then losing to the Penguins in a shootout that following Wednesday. But guys, although the team lost, they reached that one point and they got that playoff clinch spot, the final spot in the Eastern Conference, from taking the game into overtime off of a freaky kind of weird Riley Shahan goal that took an odd bounce bar down into the net behind Marc-Andre Fleury and pushed the Red Wings into the playoffs. During the last home game of the season, though, guys, the team could not get much production done and completed, and only one 5-on-5 goal was scored, and the team lost on home ice for the last regulation game at Joe Louis Arena. As for Sunday's national affair with the depleted St. Louis Blues, who are struggling with injuries right now, the Red Wings, they looked great. They called up Xavier Olette and Ryan Sproyle, who debuted in his first NHL game, to give the rest to the team's healthy scratches and most consistent defensemen. Nicholas Cronwall and Danny DeKaiser. Todd Bertuzzi and Joachim Anderson saw a little bit of action and got the call, who have recently been healthy scratches, and to replace them on that list were Daniel Alfredson and Johan Franzen, getting in a little bit of a reward for the two veterans. They were healthy scratches in this game. The Red Wings went on to win that game 3-0 against the St. Louis Blues, stunning Ryan Miller. And throughout the second half of the show, guys, that is just the first half. We have another half, and we'll talk about the Red Wings' future in their 23rd consecutive Stanley Cup run and what it will take for the Red Wings team to beat the President Trophy winning 17-point-getting Boston Bruins in the first round of the 2014 Stanley Cup playoffs. So guys, let's start talking about this team even making the playoffs. So guys, the biggest player for the Red Wings up until now obviously has to be Gustav Nyquist. He finishes off the season with 28 goals, 20 assists, totaling out at 40 points, a plus 16 rating, and 153 shots on net. And let's keep in mind, this guy wasn't called up to the team until, you know, about a month into the season. And guys, the ultimate question of this first segment that we have here in Octopi Hockey Town, Episode 9, is did the Red Wings miss the make the playoffs? Why or why not? And in fact, it's Episode 8. I'm sorry about that. A little bit of correction there. But did the Red Wings make the playoffs? Why or why not? Of course, as I said in my intro, yes, they did make the playoffs. And they finished the season with a 39-28-15 and 15 record with 93 points and did a great job coming down the stretch. The last time the Red Wings missed the playoff, guys, and this is a little bit of information coming from Sports Illustrated, extra mustard, thanks to the guys over there. Here we go, a little bit of a list of things that were happening within the world 
the last time the Red Wings missed the playoffs. Gas was $1.16 per gallon, and that was a little bit of expensive at the time. Home Alone was the world's top-grossing movie. The Game Boy was released from Nintendo. Dances with Wolves won Best Picture. Dennis Rodman was playing for the Pistons. And finally, guys, everybody's favorite show, unless you're a big South Park fan or maybe a family guy, The Simpsons. They're in the middle of their very first season ever. And we all know that The Simpsons are still going strong to this day. That was 23 years ago, going on 24 next season, hopefully. But we're talking about right now. And right now, guys, you know, towards the beginning in the middle of their season, the Red Wings had a very unpromising time. They were battling with injuries the entire season. But, you know, guys, I really think that the Red Wings stuck to the game plan and their coaching really helped them along. The Red Wings have great coaching, as everybody knows. 415 wins for Mike Babcock, which makes him the most winningest coach in Red Wing history in front of coaches like Jack Adams and Scotty Bowman. And second, obviously, the development and the sticking to the process. The Red Wings have a plan, and the Red Wings stick to their plan because it works. It has worked for many years and continues to work today, which is clearly represented by their continuous success year in and year out. This is not the team that everybody was seeing in 1996 or 1997 when the Red Wings won the Cup. This isn't the team that you would see in 2002, not even the team that you would see in 2008. This is a brand new hockey team with completely different swagger, a completely different goal, and a completely different set of players that push them to go. The team sticks to this, though. The coach instills winning. And Mike Babcock and the organization, Ken Holland, Mike Illich, they expect them to go through the process, no matter what it takes, and make it to the playoffs. And guys, that is just a massive element of the Red Wings making the playoffs this season. And finally, they used the players that they had in the locker room rather than waiting for the injuries to not continue to pile up. And this directly correlates with the youngsters. Gustav Nyquist, Thomas Tatar, Riley Sheehan, Thomas Yurko, even players like Luke Glendening, and, and Drew Miller, people like him stepping up, and Justin Ablocator, all those guys stepping up this season. Guys, Nyquist, Tatar, Sheehan, and Yurko, they've accumulated for 126 points on the season, which is absolutely incredible if you ask me. They developed the team and developed themselves this season. And guys, they have made the Red Wings a quicker team, a smarter team, and ultimately a more fun team to watch. The Red Wings, of course, are very, very good with the puck. They're great at controlling the game. They're a team that will puzzle you the entire the entire time. But guys, you know, it's a really fun time for the Red Wings because they're faster than they've ever been in the past decade. They got quick speed, quick hands, and they got a lot of great players that are playing for that forward, uh, that forward unit. And guys, I would say the final piece of the puzzle, you know, that really goes unthanked almost is Daniel Alfredson and the work that Ken Holland and Mike Illich and of course Mike Babcock as well did in bringing Daniel Alfredson in for his 18th season in the NHL. And he definitely directs the youngsters both on and off the ice, in practice, at hotels, during press conferences, and of course during games. He's done a great job all season long. He's a leading point getter on the Red Wings squad, and he's great in both his veteran leadership, his knowledge, and finally, 
As you can see, his production, he leads the team with 49 points, 31 assists, and 18 goals. But that 31 assists, guys, he's a team player. He feeds the rock, and he's done a great job all season. And all of those elements wrapped up along with the coaching, along with the development, along with the mindset of, guys, this team needs to win is the reason the exact reason why the Red Wings have made it to their 23rd consecutive playoff stretch. And of course, guys, as usual, that's just a little bit of a rant on why the Red Wings make the playoffs. We're going to preview the playoffs later on in this episode of Octopi. But I want to go into this into the week that got them there. And, and, and it started off with a game on Tuesday, April 8th, 7 p.m. at the First Niagara Center against the Buffalo Sabres. The Red Wings actually won this game, and it was a great win for the Red Wings. And then they moved on to the Console Energy Center where they faced off against the Pittsburgh Penguins the following night. And then they completed their home stretch of the season against the Carolina Hurricanes on Friday the 11th at Joe Louis Arena, the last regular season game at Joe Louis Arena, and then finished off the season strong at the Scott Trade Center, nationally broadcasted against the St. Louis Blues, and got a shutout for backup backup goaltender Peter Mrazek. But guys, let's go all the way back to that Buffalo Sabres game, and we'll get started talking about that. Alright guys, so the Red Wings played against the Buffalo Sabres April 8th, 7pm at the First Niagara Center, and it was against the Buffalo Sabres, as I said, and guys, you know, the roughest part of this game for me was the fact that the Red Wings couldn't get a goal off until 12.28 into the second period, and that is just what it is. Brendan Smith got the first goal of the game for the Red Wings, assisted by Johan Franzen and Daniel Alfredson. But it was a one nothing lead for Buffalo before that. But of course, after Brendan Smith scored, and then going into the third period, Darren Helm and David Legwan both got a goal, and then Pavel Datsuk sealed the deal with an empty netter. Guys, the Red Wings are going to have to get the first goal in every single game against the Boston Bruins within the playoffs for them to be contenders for the Stanley for to advance to the Stanley Cup finals if they even want to dream that far away. But I'd say for this game, narrowing it back down a little bit, the biggest two points for the Red Wings this week came in this game. Pavel Datsu got his second goal in his return, a big empty net goal to seal the deal. Helm scored, continuing a hot streak that he's having down the end of the season. And of course, David Leguan had a big game, finally put one in the net. It was very, very timely for David Leguan, and he's going to need to do a little bit more of that in the playoffs for him to be worth the money that the Red Wings paid out and the trades that they made for him. The Red Wings put a lot of shots on net and they had three goals. Hackett went 33 for 36, but the Red Wings had 36 shots. That is a lot for this team. They were entering the zone a lot better and having much quicker releases from the stick, and you'll love to see that coming down into the playoffs. Jimmy Howard went 25 for 27. A .926 save percentage played really well and continues to do well down the stretch. Exactly like I've been saying the entire time, the Red Wings controlled this game from about the midway of the second period on. At the beginning, they had a little bit of trouble getting their feet underneath them. The first period, you know, it didn't go either way. Obviously, they, they outshot Buffalo, but, you know, guys, that that's a big thing for the Red Wings is they need to control every game for 60 minutes and be able to win the game 100% of the time. But guys, that 
might have been the most important game when it comes to getting two points, but in the next game, they only needed one point, and that's what the Red Wings did. They got on top first. Thomas Yurko scored a beautiful backhand goal, assisted by Daniel Alfredson and Darren Helm, who both, as I've been saying, are both doing incredibly well. Alfredson feeding the puck again, Helm getting involved in the play. It was quickly followed in the second period, though, about 20 minutes later of game time later with a power play goal scored by James Neal and then he got another power play goal later on in the second period giving the game a tie after Jakob Kindle put up the Red Wings 2-1 to once again. But guys, the Pittsburgh Penguins actually were leading the game until 18.45 left after UC Jokinen goal halfway through the third period and Riley Sheehan got a nice bounce off a slap shot top shelf bar down, right into the net, and eventually it went into overtime, giving the Red Wings one point, having them clinch the playoffs. Unfortunately, didn't get the win in a shootout, but UC Jokinen, he got that goal. He wanted to get that win for his team, and he did get that win for his team. But guys, the Red Wings clinched the playoffs against the Pittsburgh Penguins at the Console Energy Center, and that is not only a big confidence boost on the road, but it's a big confidence boost for the team, getting them into the playoffs. And then they finished off the season against the Carolina Hurricanes, which means they finished off the season at home. I'm sorry, a little bit of a clarification there. Last home game of the season, Friday, April 11th. The game started at 7.30 p.m., but guys, the Red Wings did not look good in this game whatsoever. They lost the game 2-1 to after the Carolina Hurricanes got two quick goals in the first period, finishing off the first period 2 to nothing, And then the second period, no production, but a Riley Sheehan goal who's been also hot as of late. A power play goal assisted by Yurko and Tatar. Got the game to 2-1, to one, but it ended right there and continued no more. It was the first regular season win for Carolina against the Red Wings since November 14th of 1989. Carolina was named the Hartford Whalers at the time, and that was Steve Eiserman's third season as the team captain, and he had 20 years as the captain. So, guys, you know, it was weird happening for the Carolina Hurricanes to beat the Red Wings on Joe Louis Arena ice. It was only 5-on-5 goal. It came from Carolina. Both other goals were power play goals for both Carolina and Detroit. Cam Ward actually played really well in net for the Hurricanes during this game. He got 28 saves on 29 shots. And guys, Riley Sheehan, as I mentioned earlier, he's been winning a lot of face-offs. And for the Red Wings power play and in on five-on-five situations, that's massive for the Red Wings. Pavel Dodsuk, he got his legs, his smarts, and his speed back. He's getting it more every game that he's being back from his injury. And guys, the Red Wings did miss the net a lot. Justin Applicator literally missed a wide-open shot. Jimmy played well, but didn't face a whole ton of shots. Um, you know, the Wings outshot Carolina 29-19. Mike Babcock even said it. The players weren't dialed in, and you don't miss open nets unless you're not dialed in, quote-unquote. And the Red Wings weren't dialed in in this game. They lost the game 2-1 to one against an easy Carolina team to beat. It would have pushed them up in the standings to be able to face the Pittsburgh Penguins instead of the Boston Bruins. But hey, that's not how things worked out. And it was not any first or second period goals for the Red Wings. 
And like I said, that's going to be a problem against the Bruins, who are a quick attacking team. They're strong, they're physical, and they'll get to you mentally and physically. They need to start scoring this Red Wings team. They need to start scoring first, and they need to put teams up against a wall if they want to compete against anybody, either in the first round or future opponents. The Columbus Blue Jackets, Philadelphia, and Detroit were all tied with 91 points for both wildcard slots in the last slot in the Metropolitan. But either way, the Red Wings are going and were going to the 7th or 8th slot in the Eastern Conference at the end of the season. But what was sealed at the end of the season was the Columbus Blue Jackets facing the Pittsburgh Penguins in that 7th spot. And that was decided on Sunday, April 13th at the St. Louis Blues Scott Trade Center. Even though the Red Wings won, they were losing in row, which means, you know, guys, it doesn't matter really. It's making the playoffs at this point. When you're that, you have one game left in the season. You win the game three to nothing. There are a few other things that matters besides just you know playing a certain team within the playoffs. And it's this: it's Mrazek was in that, and he played phenomenal. He got his second career shutout for starting goaltender for starting backup goaltender. Howard wasn't going to get the start, so he didn't risk an injury going into the playoffs and up against a big fierce Boston team. And Gustafson was hurt, so Mrazek got the start. But regardless of the outcome, guys, the Red Wings were playing the Bruins in the first round regardless of the game. But it was a great game. And it was a great game from Pavel Datsuk, who got two assists, uh, getting even better and better. Like I was saying, he was putting the puck right on the tape of people's sticks, playing great along the boards, coming up with the puck when he really shouldn't have all Pavel-like stuff. And he's going to just keep getting better and better. What you guys have to understand is Pavel Datsuk has not played much in this regular season and he's ready to pop off in the playoffs which is something that he struggles to do but Justin Amplicator is highly benefiting from the return of Pavel Datsuk he had two good goals both coming off the stick of Pavel Datsuk with an assist and of course Riley Sheehan pulled back and sniped Ryan Miller to continue his hot streak and Drew Miller of the Red Wings he played pretty well but Ryan Miller of the Blues played a terrible game he's going into the postseason playing terrible playing rough even though st louis got a victory last night against chicago in game one you know the red wings team played well the st louis blues team did not play well ryan spoil got called up in his first nhl game and was getting some good minutes out there he was playing with no regrets he had a great check in the first period midway through to lay out one of the st louis blues players and guys that was one of many in the game Morazic had a shutout, looked great, many big saves. He he really does have a bright future within the NHL. And that wrapped up the regular season, guys. No more of these post-game you know, reviews from Austin. Guys, we are talking all playoffs all the time for the rest of the season. And that's what I want to start talking about right now. And that is the keys to success in the playoffs, the first round against this tough, this mighty, the 117-point getting, the President Trophy winning, the Zidane Chara having Boston Bruins team. All right, guys, so the keys to success here. You guys have to keep in mind, this is one of the two strongest teams, the best matchup in my eyes. It's two original six featured teams, which is great. The first round is opening up tonight, and it's at the Boston's TD Gardens, game one, and it's the last game that the Red Wings, 
you know, are going to be able to play like they were playing in the midway part of the regular season. The Red Wings need to come out in this series and really take it to the Boston Bruins. The last time these two teams met, guys, was in 1957. It was in a semifinals game, and Boston won the series in five games. It was so long ago that John Buick was playing in the series for Detroit, and guys, that is a long time ago. It was actually, in fact, you know, it was so long ago that the Red Wings beat the Bruins in a playoff series that was had in 1945, and guys, the team that won were the Red Wings. They won that game in seven games, and Ted Lindsay, he was a rookie that season. Guys, it's a big deal coming into this game. And it's kind of crazy. Mike Babcock used 38 different players this season, guys. He was 14 of the players from the 2013 Calder Cup champion Griffins. Guys, their solid play has enabled this team to be able to come back from all their injuries that they've had this season and be able to be in this position in the 23rd consecutive playoff series. Guys, I think for me, the biggest keys for the Red Wings advancing past the first round would obviously start with consistency from every single player. Every single player needs to find their role and they need to stick with their role. And it all stems from the young forwards. The young forwards are going to have to learn to be even quicker than they already have been. And the play needs to be there from every single one of them. Every single player needs to come out and truly take it to this Boston Bruins team. Yes, the season series is 3-1 to one in favor of the Red Wings. And the Red Wings have absolutely murked the Boston Bruins this season, both being an injury-ridden team and not. But this is the playoffs, and it's a completely different time, and the Bruins are better than they were before. Guys, I would say an X factor for this series and somebody that really needs to come out and shine for the Red Wings for them to win this series is Pavel Datsuk. And I think that Pavel Datsuk is going to come out and he's going to have an amazing series. And I'll tell you guys why. Pavel Datsuk hasn't had this kind of opportunity to come and play for the Red Wings in a long time. Guys, he played a couple of games down the end of the regular season, but that isn't enough for Pavel Datsuk. And Datsuk usually isn't a big you know, playoff player. He isn't that much of a, you know, deciding factor, but I think he is going to be an X factor. He is going to be a deciding factor within this series and within the playoffs for the Red Wings. And of course, with the late start for this series, most teams are starting on Wednesday and Thursday, have already played their first game, one games. The Red Wings are starting tonight, which is Friday, and that gives Henrik Zetterberg a little bit more time. Guys, surprise, surprise, Henrik Zetterberg, the competitor, the captain, is back out on the ice. He is practicing with the team. He's skating with the team. He's running drills. And, and let's not be ignorant for a little bit here. You know, we all know that he's been skating for a little while now. You know, what what Pete, what the teams let the media know and what the players do themselves on their own time are two completely different things. And I, I want everybody to understand that. It's an organization. It's a game. But it's a game. And people play mind games. And people will make sure that they are ready to their fullest potential to be able to get out there and play 
whether or not the coaches or the doctors say that it's okay. And Henrik Zetterberg is one of those players. He's a competitor, and he's a big competitor at that. And, guys, what I really want you to understand and why I keep talking about the forwards for the Red Wings is because of this Bruins defense. They can produce, and they are strong. But there is one thing that the Bruins defense is not, and they are not a fast defense. They are fundamentally sound defense, but they are not a fast defense. And the Red Wings have a fast, strong, quick, and intelligent forward core that makes this matchup that much better. Guys, this Bruins defense is going to be tested to their fullest extent. And especially with Seidenberg out, that's a really big loss for the Bruins and a really big loss for their defense. And of course, you know, guys, they have Tuka Rask in net, who's one of, in my opinion, one of the best goalies in the NHL today. And and I'll stick by that no matter whether I'm a Red Wings fan, a hockey analyst, a, a, a you know, a panelist on the Pact, you know, or a simple member of Impact Sports, or just a regular human being, guys, the Red Wings have what it takes to beat Tuka Rask, but Tuka Rask is one of the best goaltenders in the NHL, and that's a fact. Guys, you're going to need to see strong play from every forward lineup, from the Datsuk line to the Nyquist line to the Tatar line, all the way down to the Glendening Miller line, and that is what is going to need to happen. And guys, you have to understand, the Red Wings have had a lot of injuries this season. Mike Babcock has been quoted. We've had a ton of injuries, but I'm tired of talking about that, to be honest with you. The reality is no one seems to get better. We seem to have them, and they're key guys, but I've always said each year you find players when you get opportunities like this. It's good because they're ready to take people's jobs. And he's talking about his youngsters. He's talking about his guys that have come in this season and truly played for the place that they have earned. David Legwand even, Daniel Alfredson even, Darren Helm even have all earned their spots as a Detroit Red Wing. The former Griffins, Gustav Nyquist and Thomas Tatar, they've had huge contributions on offense. And, of course, you know, they're each topping 35 points for the season. They're playing solid. And alongside a new and improved Pavel Datsukov of injury, that just makes the Red Wings a lot more potent. They're going to be a strong contending team. And, of course, you know, you have to look at the Red Wings back end that's a little bit weaker. They got Jakob Kindle back there. They have a loss in Jonathan Erickson, who, you know, probably isn't going to return until the second round. But, guys, Danny DeKaiser, Brendan Smith, Nicholas Cronwall, and even Kyle Quincy down the end of the season has been playing well. And, of course, they're backing up Jimmy Howard, who's a strong, solid goaltender. You know, regardless of what everybody else says, I have faith in Jimmy Howard. I have faith in his abilities in the playoffs, in his abilities to play for the Red Wings and play a strong 60 minutes of hockey game in and game out. And I think Mike Babcock is going to ride his goalie. There are a lot of people that are saying, you know, if Gustafson's healthy, put him in there. I don't agree. I think that the that the Red Wings need to stick with Jimmy Howard. And I also think that with all of this together, guys, I really, really think this. I really think that the Red Wings have what it takes to upset the Boston Bruins. Guys, it is going to be a rough and tough series. The Boston Bruins are physical. They're strong. They're mentally there. But the Red Wings, they are so good right now. And Mike Babcock has said it. Ken Holland has said it. Players have said it. 
everybody is underestimating the Red Wings. And, and to underestimate the Red Wings, a team that's been to 23 consecutive playoffs, a team that has won 11 Stanley Cups, a team that has had players like Steve Eiserman, late lead retired Nicholas Lidstrom, players like Gordie Howe, legends in the coaching staff for several years. Mike Babcock working behind Scotty Bowman and now beating him in, in wins. You know, guys, Mike Babcock is the best coach of Red Wings history, and he is just starting. He's just starting his time behind the bench, guys. He's, of course, nine years in, but he's just starting. He's only won one Stanley Cup as a Red Wings coach, and he wants another one. He's fueling for another one. As you guys saw in the 24-7 episodes this season, if you haven't, I'm going to inform you. Every single day, Mike Babcock runs around the Joe Louis Arena, and he thinks of ways to win new ways to win and that's what that guy is so good at he is so good at instilling winning upon his players and I think that the Red Wings the youngsters the returners the veterans Zetterberg Datsuk Franz and Alfredson all those guys I think they have what it takes to be able to beat the Boston Bruins but I'm not saying that the Bruins are completely out I think that they're going to take it to the Red Wings I think the Bruins are going to win a couple games in this series but I think the Red Wings are going to win a couple more games in this series. I think that the Red Wings are going to win the series in seven. And, you know, guys, obviously next week on Octopi, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about what happened within the series. But, guys, I'm telling you right here, right now, that I think the Red Wings have what it takes. They need to stay consistent in the forward end. They need to have strong defense from Smith from DeKaiser and from Cronwell. They need to have strong goaltending from Howard, but it goes to the forwards. The forwards need to play incredibly well. They need to score first. They need to play with high intensity, with quick speed, and the Red Wings need to get out there and put a stunning shock into the Boston Bruins quick and early, and that starts within game one or game two. Guys, the Red Wings need to win both of these games, and the Bruins are real good on home ice, and let's keep that in mind. They are real good on home ice, and they are going to definitely, definitely 100% at the TD Garden play incredibly well, and you can guarantee that out of Boston, but I think the Red Wings they're a road team. They're a strong road team. And people like Nyquist, Tatar, Datsuk, Franz, and they're all going to have a lot to show tonight, including Darren Helm, Justin Ablocator, all those guys coming off of good end of the season play. Guys, the Bruins have a lot brewing up and coming towards them from this Red Wings team. I think the Red Wings can have a very successful first round. And I'm telling you guys right now, if the Red Wings have a successful first round, if they get past the Boston Bruins, and of course, this is looking very deep within the playoffs, I think the Red Wings have what it takes to be able to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And about three months ago, I was even saying it, because of the amount of talent that the Red Wings have. The Red Wings have talent in the forward end, on the defensive end, and in the net. And they have a well-rounded team with a brilliant coach, one of the best coaches in the NHL. Guys, that's all you need. I've named 
every single element of a solid hockey team. The Red Wings have it, but I'm not saying that the Bruins don't have it. The Bruins have a great team. Zdeno Chara is one of the best defenders. Tukarask, one of the best goalies. They have Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci. All of these players are going to be incredibly useful for the Bruins coming down the stretch. I mean, guys, you know, they have some of the best players within the league. Johnny Boychuk, Tory Krug, Brad Marchand, you know, Louis Erickson, Milan Lucic, and then, of course, Jerome Ginla, who's a great goal scorer, 30 goals, 31 assists, 61 points, plus 34 rating on the season. You know, guys, this team is real strong this season, and they have earned that President's Trophy, and I'm not going to deny that by any means. I think that the Boston Bruins have had an incredibly uh, an incredible season. They absolutely have, but that is the regular season. This is the playoffs, and this is a time where the Red Wings love to shine. They love to get there, and they love to show Joe Louis Arena, their hockey fans, and everyone around what it is to be a Red Wings hockey player. Guys, I want you to understand that even the coach of Boston understands that 40% of the series upsets are in the first round. And that's a, that's a big number. That's a scary number for the Bruins to think about. And, and you know, they have an extra element, you know, ag- against the Bruins is the fact that they, you know, they did win the President's Trophy. They are leading the NHL with 117 points. They are looked at as the best team in the NHL. And they have that pressure on their backs right now. The Red Wings had 24 fewer points in the regular season. But they were three and one against the Bruins, and guys. That's a sign that you know that speedy puck possession style can really beat a Boston Bruins physical approach. They have a physical, strong apo- approach to every game that they play. And of course, I like a physicality, you know, within your team. But guys, you need to make sure that if you're going to play physical, that you need to continue out that physicality. And I don't know if the if the Bruins are going to be able to, you know, stay that physical against a Red Wings team that are this fast. If they can catch up to the Red Wings, then they might be able to beat them based on physicality. But the Bruins might need to change up that style a little bit if they want to have an opportunity to beat this quick and smart Red Wings team that has developed so heavily since earlier in the season. But guys, as always, this is just my opinion. And we're going to have to wait and see. And tonight at 7.30 p.m. at the TD Garden against the Boston Bruins, the Red Wings will play in Game 1. And guys, if you want to hear more from me, or more people from Impact Sports about this Red Wing series, you can visit www.impact89fm.org slash sports, or you can listen to 88.9 FM, 7 to 8 p.m. on Monday, the first segment of The Pact, one of the best radio shows, sports shows at Michigan State University. We'll be starting off with the results of Game 1 and Game 2 of the series, and Lou DeVizio and I, our producer, has one... We got a pretty good bet going. So, guys, if you listen to the pack on Monday, you'll hear all about the bet, you'll hear all about the series, and you'll hear my voice a little bit more in favor of this Detroit Red Wings team. Guys, I think that these two games are going to get split. I think game one is going to go to Detroit, and I think game two is going to go to Boston, and then the series is going to go to Detroit for game three and four, and we'll be able to preview that get the analysis of Game 1 and Game 2 on the Pact and on Octopi. Guys, we have a lot coming to you within the next couple of weeks. And, of course, every 
episode of Octopi from now on is going to be all about the playoffs all the time. And it's the most exciting time of the year because, guys, it's the playoffs. And it's the Red Wings playoffs. And it's the 23rd consecutive playoffs. But, guys, that's all I have for you today. For me and the Octopi team, I'm Austin Goodman saying, guys, Hockey Town, let's go Red Wings. Have a great day and enjoy this lovely spring weather.